All right, welcome to ibletuddy.net, Bible study without the bologna sandwich. It's actually just after lunchtime, so we should be just fine without the bologna sandwich today. <laughs> so today's study is going to be uh, about forgiveness, uh, the forgiveness we have in Christ and uh, the truth about that forgiveness that is uh, mostly overlooked in today's religious circles. Um, so the first first question I'm going to ask for our group here today for for the benefit of the audience is, uh, do you believe we have to maintain our relationship with God through our actions? Does anybody want to answer that? Do we have to maintain a relationship with God through our actions? I would say no. No, we do not. No, we do not. Yeah, it looks like we're all in agreement on that. Uh, so we'll let the cat out of the bag on that one for for everybody that might be listening. This is <laughs> we're we're uh, giving an intro to what we think, but we'll find out what the truth really is as we dig into the study. Um, and then we'll also say uh, the next question I have, and uh, looks like Lee is chiming in here. We'll let him in, and uh, here he is. Can you hear me, Lee? Looks like you got there. You go. There's your microphone. It is on. It appears. Okay. There he is. I can see your video. All right. Hey, that's right. <laughs> All right, you're on. And uh, so the mm -hmm. uh, I just I just asked the first question for everybody. This this is the topic of forgiveness, Lee. And um, the first question I just asked everyone was, do we have to maintain our relationship with God through our actions? And I think you're probably going to be on the same page as everybody else with a resounding no and no. <laughs> exactly. Do you believe a Christian can be out of fellowship with God? And, you know, we're just going to touch over this with surface on the surface. And uh, well, you're, asking, you're asking the easy questions. Yeah, just to get started. I just want to set the stage for what's coming, you know, in the <laughs> I was looking for the hard stuff. I was looking for yeah. the hard stuff. <laughs> well, to easy? some people this might be difficult. So, you know, for the for the sake of uh for the audience, because you know, prior to us realizing and seeing mm -hmm. the truth of scripture, this would have been a tough question, or or at least it would have seemed easy and I would have answered it completely wrong and not known it. Got it. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, we can't, we can't be out of fellowship with God. Why? Because I mean, we're, you know, if he, if he was in our hearts, he's only one foot away from our head. How far can you get from that? <laughs> you're going to, you're going to step away from the inside of you and somehow mm -hmm. be further. How can you, you know, how do you step away from yourself? That would be an out of body experience, right? So yep. Yeah. And then the other question, you know, is, is God still judging your sin, withholding his blessings from you based on your deeds? Um, you know, what do you guys think? I mean, I'd say absolutely not based on scripture alone. Absolutely right. not. Yeah. So the question is then, how do we get right with God? So how do we get right with God? If we, uh, if, if you and I are all saying, you know, we're right with God, well, how did we get there? Um, so that's, I guess we'll take a look at that. Um, and for this study, we're going to start with 1 John 1, 9. There's, I'd say there's possibly no greater damage done to the Christian faith than the doctrine pertaining to fellowship and how we get right with God. And that, that goes with uh, Protestant circles, Catholic circles. It, it doesn't matter what denomination you're in. Most all of them are going to teach you at some point, you know, how you can be out of fellowship with God. And we'll be looking closely at the one passage uh, that changed them all um, today in, in terms of that, um, the famous passage, 1 John 1, 9. So if anybody is uh, familiar with that passage, you know, that's kind of a kind of a teeter-tottering point with grace versus works, because, you know, how you see that passage um, in today's circles is going to change how you read the Bible, how you see the Bible when you read it. And how you, what you get out of it when and everything else. So it's it's very critical, you know, that we get this passage right. And uh, so let's take a close look at it. What do you think, Lee? You think First John one nine? Would you agree that that's a 
a pretty important passage in the gray circles to be able to get it right, to be able to read the Bible correctly in, in the right light. First John 1 9. Yeah. Uh, no. It, it's, it depends on your understanding of First uh, John 1 9. Would you say First John 1 9 being misunderstood is probably one of the biggest problems out there in terms Absolutely. of understanding our forgiveness? Absolutely. I guess that was the the point of it all. You know, the, yeah. it's a big passage. It's a big passage. And they go to, the, you know, the the pastors today go to that one directly every time, every time you would, if you would question them and say, well, I think I'm completely forgiven, they're going to turn to that, right? Right. So let's That's take a look at the passage. Um, you know, we'll start with actually 1 John 1, 1 through 4. Uh, we'll look at the NIV version of this one. And uh, it reads, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So in this passage, what was John proclaiming? So what was, uh, what would John be proclaiming in this passage? I can answer if nobody else well, has the answer. Several things, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a loaded question. You have to read it all over again. <laughs> yeah, because it pretty much says it right in the passage. Well, you say that we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard uh, concerning uh, the Son of God. We've seen him and we beheld him. Mm -hmm. We bring this and we're doing this for a reason. We're doing this to, uh, to make our joy complete. Yeah. They've seen with their eyes, they've touched with their hands. So, I mean, they're pretty much proclaiming apostleship here. You know, they saw, Absolutely. they touched, they heard he was real. He, he wasn't a fantasy. This was a, this was a real human being, you know? And, uh, so who, who would he have been proclaiming this message to, you know, if we, if we dig into this passage, who, who would this be, being proclaimed to uh his fellow uh israelites yeah so fellow uh, jewish israelites uh, but uh pertaining to uh their you know their where they were positionally with christianity you know where where <laughs> hey there's melissa where would they be with their uh with their faith these people that they're proclaiming it to mm -hmm. and how do we know that you know, it's kind of a twofold question. Yeah, but that's what uh, that's what John says in that in his letter. He says, uh, he said we write this. He says he's, he states the reason while he was writing that to him, while he was writing that to them, and the reason was that uh, he's write these he's writing these things to you uh, so that uh, you can. Uh, so that you can realize the one we were waiting for has come. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. Specifically, but specifically uh, so they could have fellowship with them. That's what he I was He said so that for. you can have fellowship with us. That's what I was looking for. So that's he's telling was. them out there they can have fellowship with us. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be the apostles and, and, yep. the, and the believers. So essentially we can, we can completely discern from that passage that he's speaking in this passage to the unbeliever and uh right. and trying to bring them into fellowship with them so mm -hmm. it's very clear very clearly stated and who was their fellowship with according to the passage you know jesus christ the son of god yeah. mm -hmm. so did all the people they were proclaiming to have their described fellowship did everybody they were speaking to already have it and I know, I know these are a lot of kind of questions according, about the same thing, but we got to we got to look at this. Yeah. According to the context, it doesn't seem as though they were they all had the same fellowship. It seems kind of ironic or odd that he would say that he's saying it so that you can have fellowship if they already yeah. did. 
Yeah, that wouldn't would make a whole lot right. of sense. That wouldn't make any sense at all. So if somebody told you this passage was uh, written to Christians, you'd have to say that doesn't make any sense, wouldn't you? Right. Yep. Yeah. So, and what were the Jewish people that they're uh, that this was written to waiting for in those days? I mean, what you know, what uh, you know, why were they even trying to make this clear to them in the first place? Because the Jewish people would have already been waiting for something. They're waiting for the Messiah. Yeah. And so they were essentially letting them know who that who that was. He came. We touched him. We heard him. We saw him. Yep. Um, so you know, that's all gets on to the sixth question was would this would this audience need him to proclaim the Messiah to them if they already believed in, in the Messiah, if they already understood, if they already knew? Then the answer would be no. Yeah, of course not. You wouldn't have to write it to them if uh, they knew it already. So I guess that concludes the study. We know that this passage wasn't written. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to dig deeper. We're going to dig deeper just to, just to, you know, make sure that this doesn't get confused at all. We're going to take it even further and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, plenty far and dig into this just to make sure that this passage is resolved once and for all, mm -hmm. uh, a lot like the, the cross of Christ, you know, finished once and for all. Right. So anybody want to read 1 John 2:18 through uh through 27? 1 John 2:18. What we're going to kind of skip around. We're going to go for you know kind of forward in it and then go back to get some context here. So um it's it's the next question in the study guide if you what, if you what, had uh, the, what page are you on? Page 2 of the study guide. Page 2? Yeah. 1 John yeah, first John 2, 18 through 27. Maybe I don't have the hold on. I don't think I have the same study guide. Is this uh under the influence study? No. Okay, that's why. That's All our right. next one. Yeah, that's uh okay. I got the wrong one. I don't have that other. I don't have that other. Okay, story. I just I just emailed it moments before you got on the call. Oh, so, got it. So uh, yeah, but that's okay. That's cool. Um, hold on one second. You guys, uh, stand by. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll read it. I think my dad might have got it muted, muted, or maybe he put it on mute. Okay. <laughs> he had some background noise there. That's okay. Um, it's all good. Yeah, well, go ahead and read it, Melissa. Well, sh should we wait for Lee, though? He's pulling it up. No, no, we'll no, just, no, no. No, 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 go ahead. Just go ahead. All yeah. right. We'll pull it up. So 1 John 2, 18 through 27. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have appeared. We know from this that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. Because if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But they went out from us to demonstrate that all of them do not belong to us. Nevertheless, you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you all know. I have not written to you that you do not know the truth but that you do know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the person who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, <clears throat> the person who denies the Father and the Son. Everyone who denies the Son does not have the Father either. The person who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, what you've heard from the beginning must remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Now this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Now as for you, the anointing that you received from him resides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, it is true and is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, 
you reside in him. Thank you, Melissa. So when we look at that passage, you know, what let's just uh, kind of shed some light on what was going on there, what was going on at the time, you know, in that uh, at that time when this passage was being written, it's, you know, actually specifically what was going on against them, towards them, you know, the people who were proclaiming this message. Which message? The message that Melissa just proclaimed from John. Oh. Well, they were people were departing and uh, yeah. departing from the faith. Yeah, whatever for whatever reason they were. Uh, well, but, and but the uh, severe the persecution, right? Yeah. I mean, they were they were under heavy persecution. Heavy persecution. So anybody that was on the fence, you know, hadn't really been born again and just following along was out of there, and, and they would have been become an enemy very quickly. Mm -hmm. And um, so when we look at this passage. And this is one of the uh, few times he's really the only author uh, that mentions the Antichrist. You hear this all the time and people talk about the end of the world. But according to this passage, what is the Antichrist? And according to the Bible, you know, what is he describing? Who is the Antichrist? Right. False teachers. It's the people that are against Christ. It's right. really that simple. They're Antichrist. And, they're and thinking so anybody. That, uh... Go ahead. They were also thinking that the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they were all separate. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. They're not, that they're not one. Uh, but John was remind, reminding uh, the reader that, uh, hey, no, if you have the Son, you have the Father also. Mm -hmm. You know, and you also have the Spirit of God living in you. All these are witnesses to you. Yep. You are a child of God. And uh, But there were people who were thinking, no, no, you're even here today. Have you, heard, have you ever heard anybody say, I used to be a Christian? Oh, sure. Yeah. And they weren't. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have been, according to the scripture. Right. right. Yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't have been. It's an impossibility. Yeah. Scripturally, not just because we said so. Right. It's right. So is, it, right. is exactly. it safe to say, I'd say it's pretty safe to say that the Jewish people were being alleged away from Christ and back to the works of the law, because as soon as the persecution hit, they were safe under Judaism because those were the persecutors between them and the Romans. You know, they at that time, they, you know, I'm just going to go back to, to being Jewish and go into the ceremonies is probably what was going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. So do you think that the um, heavy persecutions going on during what they called the last hour would lead some astray. We already covered that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's gotta be what was going on. You know, there was heavy, I mean, I'm saying the last hour, there was just, things were at a boiling point, you know, here. So what did John say about those who went out from them? You know, it actually pertains to what you were just saying. What did he say about the people that went out from them? What, what, uh, how did he feel about them? Did he feel like they were Christians? Did he, he feel like they were never. part of the movement? He said, no, no, they were never of them. They were never part. They were never, never there. And what passages does that remind you of? Um, it, it reminds me of one and it's not coming clear to me, but there's several passages that, you know, go into this topic where, you know, if you were uh, a Christian, it would have been somewhere in Hebrews, right? Where, um, no, it's in the, it's in the four Gospels. Okay. What passage are you thinking of? Well, I can't cite the exact passage, but it's well, what does it say? Well, uh, what Jesus says: "Are not all the who, not all who say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven?" Yep. And 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 you will say to me in that day, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Did we prophesy in your name? In your name, did we cast out? Did we do many wonderful deeds? Mm -hmm. And uh, and Jesus is going to say, uh, "Depart from me, for I never knew you." Never knew you, right? He didn't say you weren't good enough. You know, you right. <laughs> you didn't do enough, or they say you used to be. You used to be yeah. good enough. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking of the passage in Hebrews where he was talking about the people that tasted the heavenly gift and uh, and mm -hmm. still fall away. It'd be impossible for them to be brought back. Um, right. You know, well, but that's right. But that that passage in its context uh, actually does jive with this, you know, and um, mm -hmm. basically saying you can't fall away is what that passage is saying. Right. 
<laughs> if you read it wrong, mm -hmm. it could sound like you can, but what it's saying is exactly yeah. what he's saying here. You can't fall away. If you fall away from the faith, it's because you never had it. You were, you were like on a fleshly level believing like, oh yeah, okay. Sounds good. You guys seem nice. And, you know, you're giving people stuff. How about <laughs> whatever it was, who knows, you know, but, uh, right. So we can't fall away is what John is saying. Very, you know, pretty, pretty boldly there. And did, uh, did John, uh, think that anyone who was born again was led astray according to 219? Um, I think maybe I just already asked that. Yeah. They, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us because if they did, they would have remained with us. You know, I mean, it's so clear, you know, what, what the apostle John thought about falling away from the faith. Question. Sure. So in Galatians chapter is it three, when, uh, the, the Apostle Paul is talking to uh, Galatian church about uh, they've fallen from grace. Mm -hmm. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? Oh, that's a what good question. We'd have to probably want to turn to that passage. <laughs> yeah. what, do you, what do you think he's talking about? Read the passage. From grace. What does the, pa hmm? the passage read? You'd have, have to read Bible the Bible. I don't have my Bible in front of me. I'm just, I'm just going from memory. Galatians chapter 3 uh, says that uh, uh, you who are, I think you who are trying to be justified by the law, but by circumcision, has fallen from grace. Christ will be of no benefit to you at all. To any one of you who think that you are going to be justified by, uh, by the works of the law, you have fallen from grace. Was those chapter 3 verse what? I don't know. Hold on a second. Let me uh, let me get my uh, my scriptures. Well, to keep the to keep the ball rolling while he's looking that up, how would somebody be out of fellowship with the Son and Father according to First John two twenty four? How would you be out of fellowship? You never knew him in the first place. According to, so verse 224 says, as for you, what you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you also will remain in the son and the father. So, you know, so to be out of fellowship, but what you heard didn't remain in you. Um, and for it to, to remain in you, it had to be in you in the first place. Right. So, I mean, you look at Christ, the scripture describes our relationship with Christ as he is in us and we're in him. And so his word would be in us and us in him. So when you look at that passage in 224, what you had heard from the beginning must remain in you. It had to be in you to remain in you. So according to be out of fellowship, it was never in you. And so if you were out of fellowship, his word is not in you. Right. And then remaining in you is because. You know, if it ever was, then it would remain. You see what I'm saying, Lee, with that passage on 224? So um, mm -hmm. he said, as uh, for you, what you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. If you heard, if what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you also remain in the Son and in the Father. So he's just reiterating that, you know, if, if it was ever in you, it remains in you. If it wasn't in you, you weren't in fellowship. <laughs> Simple yeah, as that. Yeah. The passage I was looking for is uh, Galatians chapter five. Okay, I'll take a look just a minute. Let me finish this section. Uh, last question for First John two eighteen through twenty seven is: Does our fellowship give us eternal life? According to verse two twenty five. Does our fellowship give us eternal life? Sure does. does. Our fellowship give us eternal life? No. Yeah, he says, now this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. So our fellowship with, with Christ is how we, you know, we have eternal life in that fellowship. That's a result of, your, uh, of, uh, of having eternal life. We have fellowship. Uh, but people today use fellowship as a term for going to church. Right. But with our fellowship, one of the benefits of being in fellowship with Christ is eternal life. 
And uh, so oh, that's, that's what they have, you know, those that are in the fellowship. So before we get on to the next first John passage, you want to look at Galatians chapter five? Uh, yeah. Verse two. Verse two. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the spirit, the righteousness for which we hope. Interesting. Right. You have fallen from grace. So what does that mean, Lee? Well, it's like when you come to you come to the knowledge of uh, you come to the knowledge of Christ. You know, you uh, you're going to you're, you're faced with two two decisions. One is to uh, embrace it, believe it, have faith, or go back to what you already been been doing, and that's uh, and that's uh, circumcision. Yeah. Why would he say fallen from grace? I wonder because if that's in all the translations written exactly they, that way. Because they've been clank, they've been climbing this hill of law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get to get to the pinnacle. And uh the pinnacle is Christ. Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't if you don't grab hold to that pinnacle, what happens? You just fall back away. You fall back away. You fall right back yeah. into what? And then to what? Circumcision. Yeah, and works. You so see? falling away from grace yeah. essentially doesn't mean they were ever under it. They're just falling further away from it as exactly. they as they work their way towards it. Exactly. And that's that's uh that's an excellent uh, uh yeah. thing to point out there because that mm -hmm. would be an easy one to take out of context. It actually kind of yeah. makes you look at it cross-eyed when you're under grace. Well, you're like, wait exactly. a minute, falling away. But away yeah. doesn't mean that you had to be in in the first place, and that's a that's a great point. Been that's a while since I looked at that passage. Actually, I'm glad you pointed that out. Well, actually, because that's the true definition of backsliding. Backsliding, but that was referring to the Jewish people. They're backsliding into law. Mm -hmm. You see, and, yeah. Uh, every and everyone else will be backsliding if the Gentiles is involved. behavior what you think what you think you have to do yeah but uh neither neither can win the people in the law i'm losing you, grace. oh you just you cut out me? a little bit i did just cut out. Oh. yeah just for a minute there you're you're back okay cool I'm cool well that's uh that's uh let's hit up first i'm glad you brought that up that was a great great uh great passage to understand you know, it's great. I mean, man, you're going to want to know that one, you know, if, if yeah. somebody's bringing that up against you and that the, the mm -hmm. timing of that with what we're talking about jives perfectly. Yeah. When they've been so people first, to put uh, you the, yeah, go ahead. First John three, uh, four through 10 in the NET. Um, you got the study guide now, Lee, you want to read that one? I don't have the study guide with me. Okay. First John chapter three, uh, verses four through 10. We got everyone. And this, again, we're going further deep into 1 John just to shed some context. Everyone, uh, before we get to the, the grand finale passage, <laughs> which is actually really no grand finale at all, when he wrote it, I don't think he ever expected it to mean so much in today's doctrine. <laughs> but anyways, um, so it reads, uh, 1 John 3, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Indeed, sin is lawlessness. And you know that Jesus was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Everyone who resides in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. The one who practices sin is the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God uh, was revealed to destroy the works of the devil. Everyone who has been fathered by God does not practice sin because God's seed resides in him, and thus he is not able to sin because he has been fathered by God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. 
Everyone who does not practice righteousness, the one who does not the one who does not love his fellow Christian is not of God. So this is a, you know, this is a heavy passage to take a look at. Um, looks like Lee, it was so heavy, Lee had to jump off the call for a minute. <laughs> I can't hear you. You got your microphone muted. <laughs> I didn't mute it, though. There I you go. I, got, I don't know how I got muted. Yeah, you're back. Well, you jumped off the call for a minute, it looked like. Did you know that? Well, actually, actually, you're 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 on the view screen. You, you were frozen. Really? Yeah, you must have lost connection. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Well, you're back, yeah. so that's good. Technology has been good to us. <laughs> <laughs> Why? So, according to this passage, uh, if you look at verse uh, mm -hmm. three, chapter three, verse four, why was Jesus revealed? Chapter three, verse four. Why was Jesus revealed? Uh, to take away sins. Yeah. So according to John, does anyone who resides in Christ sin? Uh, no. No, they don't. And we'll, we'll hit on that more because that's kind of a, a, a deeper topic. But for has everyone who, who, who has everyone who sins seen him or known him? Here, if you still sin, have you seen him or know him? My answer would be no. Yeah, and it's the same with the passage. Because it yeah. says everyone who resides in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has neither seen him or known him. So this is this is intense. Like, wait, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Why has everyone, but we'll we'll get to it, you know, and we'll talk about it. Why has everyone who has been fathered by God or born again stopped sinning? And in, um, in this passage, there's an A and a B. There's two answers to this. Why has everyone who has been followed by God stopped sinning? Exactly. You have to come to some conclusions about a bunch of things. So there's two answers. Uh, because God's seed resides in him, right? He is not mm -hmm. able to sin. And what mm -hmm. was the other answer? Uh, that uh, that uh, that uh, that he appeared to uh, take away sins. If he took them away, how can you still be sinning? So I guess maybe the yeah, there's that, and uh, I guess I. I Maybe I'm misunderstanding the clarity of my, my, my own study guide here, but that's okay. <laughs> I know they're not perfect because we always pick on them anyway when we're doing it. Hey, the man, you probably had it. <laughs> it was probably clearing your head when you wrote it. It's all for the sake of the fun of the, the calls, you know. So, but either way, right. there is two answers. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, one of them I think is because we've been fathered by God, you know. Okay. So the question reads kind of funny because we've been fathered by God and because his seed remains in us. Um, that's how, that's how we know that, uh, mm -hmm. that we've stopped sinning. That's how, uh, um, oh, that too. Yeah. That's why we stopped sinning because we've been fathered by God and the seed remains in us. So here's, here's the, the kind of the, the deep question part of it, um, is, um, is he saying that we physically stop sinning? Like, what does he mean by this Lee? I know you, you'd both explain that passage well to the audience. Why? What really? does he mean by that? <laughs> yeah, I, I have faith in you, Lee. It's, you know, because of the spirit in you. Because I recognize, you know, when you when you speak, <laughs> that your inner self is wise in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we stop sinning? You know how? Well, how well, of, is he saying we physically stop sinning? I mean, isn't that confusing right. to somebody who's well, unspiritual? They're going to be well, like. Well, a lot of people have used that to say, you know, Christians don't sin. If well, you if you keep sinning, you're not a Christian. Okay, now and that's where where are all the Christians then? Right. And that's what <laughs> and see what's the fun thing about those uh those statements when people make those statements is uh the fun thing about it, especially for the Christian, is the fact that, you know, now here's an, another opportunity to introduce the gospel to uh to that individual. But see, and you have to, they have to understand the results of the gospel. The results of the gospel is that 
a Christian didn't just say, hey, I made a choice uh, to accept Christ. Mm -hmm. They were born, they were born again. This is, these, these are some of the things that took place. You were born again. If you were born again, it means you died. You died with Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, you died. You, so and according to the apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans, uh, you're dead to sin. Mm -hmm. You died to sin. How can you live any longer in it? Yeah. It's, it's an impossibility. It, you know, and, and, and the life you now live, you live with Christ. And you and yeah, Christ so he killed us and then he rose us from the dead. He raised you from the dead, exactly. He God performed a miracle. Exactly, <laughs> spiritually. And in man's sight, none of these things happen. In the sight of man, none of these things have occurred. In the sight mm -hmm. of man, none of these things occurred. In the sight of God, all these things have occurred. Yep. But whose whose opinion matters? God's God's opinion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we've so, been purified. Yeah. We stopped yeah. sinning according to exactly. our spirit, our according exactly. to our spiritual view that God has of us, exactly. of our inner self, our new inner self. Yeah. Our old self yeah. has died, and then yep. we were been we've been born again. There you go. You are a new. So is he saying that through through yeah. our faith in Christ we stop? That's the next question, and so we kind of mm -hmm. skipped around. It's sure. it's in God's view, and so now we stand righteousness before Him, mm -hmm. um, and his, the new heart we have been given by God. Um, mm -hmm. It's sealed with the Holy Spirit. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's signed, sealed, and delivered. He cleaned it out. He came in. Good. Our spirits, you know, one with his, there's like a, a union that's been formed with ours and his, making our spirit his spirit. Yep. And um, it's, it's just yet another example. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, and we're one with them now Yep. inside. Yep. You know, I mean, that's that's amazing. It's not just like God's putting on glasses. He actually changed yep. us inside. Yep. <laughs> that's why it's an important uh, issue for the saints to always remember. Uh, keep Christ in focus and what he did. Yep. Uh, not not to set it aside now and say, okay, uh, because you still have that, you're still, you're still living in a fleshly body that's capable of, of all of the above. Yeah. You know? Focusing on the stuff. spirit is a spiritual teaching, though. If right. you just told a, a fleshly person, focus yeah. on the spirit of God, they'd look it's at still, you cross ridiculous. Yeah, what does that mean? Yep. But God has to teach us those things over time. Mm -hmm. And that's how our minds are renewed, right? Exactly. You know, we gotta we gotta learn how what does it look like? How do exactly. you focus on the because spirit? Physically you, because if physically you stop doing all those things, Paul wouldn't have had to write not one letter to anybody about about correcting them about their behavior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> you wouldn't have had to write one jot, one tittle to anybody. So according to first John three ten. Who would uh, the one who does not love his fellow Christian be? Could he possibly be referring to the people per persecuting them as the children of the devil? Well, that's what I was. I was sorry, that was my first thought. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's not. It's not because somebody got mad at their fellow brother and now he's saying, "No, you're not part of us. You right. have to love one another." No, right. he's he's got to be talking about something at the, the time who hate in them. the context yeah. of what he's saying. He's warning them, like if they're saying that if they're turning away from you, falling away, they're probably now your enemy. So look out. They're probably going to mm -hmm. turn around and get you. <laughs> and they're going to be in the Coliseum cheering, 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 cheering uh, the lions on. Yeah. <laughs> when they when they sicken them on you. Yeah. Yeah. So did the Jewish Antichrist lead the persecution against the Christians? And was it out of love? And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Jewish Antichrist were absolutely leading the way, getting mm -hmm. the Romans involved. Yep. And, yep. and it was not a love. <laughs> it was not a love and compassion. <laughs> so uh, you know? first, first John 1, 5, uh, verse 2, uh, uh, verses, chapter 1, verses 5 through 2, I believe, or no, never mind, I read that wrong. Chapter 2, verse 2. So we're going to start at John, 1 John 1, 5, to make it simple, so I can stop saying that over and over. <laughs> all right. You want to read that one, Lee, and just go on all the way through 2, 2? Okay. Uh, this is the message we have heard uh, from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. We claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness. 
We lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All right, read that one once more before we move on, because that's the passage, 1 John 1, 9. What, if we confess? Yeah, if we confess our sins. Right, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to make that make our, uh, I write this to you so that you so that you will not sin. But if any but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours, not for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. All right. So, according to this passage, is is God light? Yes. And is there darkness in Him at all? Uh, not that I know of. No, and not according to the passage either. So, can we have fellowship with God? And walk in the darkness. No, you can't. No. So how much of our sin is purified if we walk in the light, according to this passage? All of your sins. Yeah. Amen. And so how how does that even uh, read? Let's look at that part of the passage and just look at it uh, and read it. Um, It says, um, where is that part? Should have marked the exact passage. Uh, which part is that? The part where he has purified us. Oh, that's uh, verse 9. Oh, that's verse 10. Oh, that's verse 9. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is First John 1, 9. It's yeah. right in First John 1, 9. Silly John me. 1, 9. I forgot about mm-hmm. that. So uh, <clears throat> if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our son- sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's... That's a powerful passage when you when you think about it in the light of how purified he makes you when you confess your sins. But it's also in verse 7. Okay, that's where I think I saw it. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the G- blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So we have these passages saying we're purified from all sin and from all unrighteousness. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to just meditate on that for a second, but continue on and we'll, we will come back to that topic because that is the topic at hand. So mm-hmm. um, uh, how can we walk in the light, you know, is the question. Okay. How can we walk in the light? <clears throat> by walking in Christ, by faith. Okay. So what does John call someone who claims they have not sinned? Sinned. Who have they deceived? They deceive their own selves. Yeah, so they're deceiving themselves if they claim they have not sinned. Do you so think the Jewish sin. leaders and Pharisees at that, at that time would have made these types of claims? Uh, what what type of, what type of claims? That they hadn't sinned. Oh yeah, <laughs> they have. They, they said it straight to Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> they said it to Jesus. They said, uh, "Are you calling us righteous people, sinners?" Mm-hmm. We who are righteous, and Jesus says, Jesus tells them, uh, if you, <laughs> if you were, if you were, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But because you yeah. say we see, your sin remains. Yeah. So you see it all through the Gospels. Jesus was yeah. calling those the leaders hypocrites. Yeah. And it, it would not only be the leaders, truly though, it would be everybody following the leaders too. Because they were Mm -hmm. doing the same things. The leaders were just so much better at being hypocrites because they were doing it out in the streets and parading Mm -hmm. around, praying aloud in front of everybody and fasting, you know, and acting like they were starving and sunken in from all the fasting and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So would you say that to become a Christian, you need to be born again? Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah, so we know that John loved his Jewish brethren. When he says, my dear children, does he mean children of Israel or children of, of Christ? Just something to consider, you know, when he's saying, my dear children. Um, he's saying uh, he might be he might be talking about uh, children of uh, children of Israel. Mm -hmm. Because they're uh, they're children concerning uh, the faith. Yeah, you know, they're ignorant. They're so ignorant of, of, of the things that they need to know. Yeah, so it could be, you know, it could be the way he addresses them. Uh, maybe, you know, and it's just, you know, something to kind of ponder because of the context of who he's speaking to. He's speaking among, you know, people that, you know, he would consider brothers in some way. But not yeah, but I say, I'm a, yeah, but the, right. Yes, the conflict there, it sounds like he's talking to his fellow brothers. Christ. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when I say, when it, but when he says children, then it could also mean uh, that they're newly, they're new to the faith. They just became believers. Yeah. But it's pretty you clear know. when he's talking to believers and when he's talking to non-believers, it's becoming clearer and clearer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to, we're going to look at some more questions specifically about first John one nine. Now where we, we really start to dig in. That's why I was holding back because, you know, some yeah. of these passages, I know you and I both want to start going to town on the, the topic, oh, but yeah. Yeah, but here we go. So do we need to admit to God and ourselves that we are sinful in order to be born again, uh, to realize our need for our Savior and repent? Uh, do, we need to, do, do we need to admit that we're sinners? Do we need to understand? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. So when, yes. what happens when we are born again and repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ? You just said it. We're born again. Yeah, we become born again. What happens yeah, when we become born again? We become pure. We become, become cleansed pure. of all unrighteousness. Holy. Um, you know, cleansed of all of our sin. Mm. You know, we're purified. We're purified. Yep. And so, would you want would you want your audience to know how to be born again if you were proclaiming Jesus Christ to them as a Messiah? Would you want them to know how to be born again? Do you like? Do you want impure water or pure? pure water so i mean it sounds to me the point of the, this question number four here is this mm -hmm. is this sounds to me like an evangelistic passage they're trying to evangelize and preach christ to these people who didn't have them yeah and so how much sin and unrighteousness is left afterward to hinder our fellowship after we've been purified of all sin, after we've been purified from all unrighteousness, as for, as John tells us in First John uh, that we just read, how much sin and unrighteousness is left to hinder our fellowship? How are we going to how much uh, sin and righteousness is going to get in the way of our fellowship at this point? After we're born again? Yeah, after we're born again. None. None. Exactly. There's nothing in the way because it's all gone. He took it away, nailed it to the cross. He cleansed us and purified us according to that passage. So, commandments. so it's not, uh, I, the point is it's not a perpetual thing. You know, you, you don't have to ask for it again and again. You'd be asking for something that you already have. And, uh, you know, if you were, if you were looking at comparing it to the law, they were, they were cleansed of, of their, uh, they were temporarily cleansed of their sins for a year through a sacrifice of an animal. And now we're, you know, people are teaching uh, Christians that we have to pretty much ask daily for forgiveness and cleanse ourselves before we take communion and, uh, you know, have this ritual cleansing where we ask and he comes in and, you know, forgives us and, and then we start over again. So does that sound like that is what the passage is saying here? So. No. Yeah, not at all. No, not all. at all. There's that's not anything like what he's saying. He's saying the opposite. When you when you realize you're a sinner, you be and you call on Jesus, you know, you're cleansed and you're purified. Doesn't it seem insulting to Jesus that we would ask him for more forgiveness? How would we get more forgiveness? Right. That shows that shows that you don't believe what he what he did. Yeah. How would you even get more? 
You know, yeah. you, what, would you put you, him back up at the cross? Would you ask Jesus to get back up there again and crucify him all over again? See, see, now you're going to Hebrews. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we're going to get into that passage later, too. Yeah, yeah you're going to Hebrews because he says, hey, once and for so all, the, man. So the question to the audience, you know, if, if you're still you know, believing it that way, just, just ask yourself this. Do you really believe you need more forgiveness or are you just going through the motions based on what you've been taught somewhere and you, you just, you hadn't looked into the truth yet and now you're here and now it's time to look into it, right? You know, take a closer look at these passages. Hmm. And, so, you know, if you were to look at it that way, do you realize that you're acting as if you're walking in darkness? So if, if you're walking in light, why would you want to try to act like you're in darkness? Do you see people like tripping over things that are in plain sight during mm -hmm. the day? I mean, you would be like the drunken Christian tripping over, <laughs> you know, objects like, well, see, the I light's just... on. You don't have to act like you're in darkness. <laughs> that, that's a good point, because now you just described a lot of people who who trip over these obvious passages that tell you that it's finished mm -hmm. and uh, and they don't see it. Yeah, because because they can't in their minds. I think they just can't accept it. It's hard to accept when you see so yeah. many people teaching it. And so mm -hmm. so many of these teachers come off as good, incredible. Mm -hmm. They've done their research. How can they be wrong? And look at what mm -hmm. they're wearing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they're dressed to impress half the time, maybe casual, mm -hmm. but they got a, a diploma on the wall. They've been they've been well learned. How can they be wrong? But have you ever considered that focusing on Jesus Christ might give you more peace than focusing on every little sin that you commit? Have you ever considered mm -hmm. the, what mm -hmm. life would look like if you were actually just focused on Christ all the time instead of your own, uh, your own problems, your own sins, your own uh, fleshly issues? Do you really believe that Jesus did it all? Or are you still putting faith in your own works is the question that we have to look at when we're... You know, when you're reading the passage incorrectly, right? I mean, yeah. when it comes down to it, you know, yeah. what are you believing? What do you believe? You know, it's, if you really, if you really can, if you really think about why, you know, why did, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Why did we have to be cleansed and purified? What was the point? That was the beginning of what we have in Christ was the cleansing and purifying. Why did he have to do that? He had to do that so he could come live inside of us because he's not going to live in a, a dirty, sinful place. So he came inside of us after he purified us. And now we have life in him. That life starts when you understand the cross. That life doesn't you know, start when you start uh, analyzing your sins and taking a tally and keeping short accounts. That's not when the life in Christ begins. The life in Christ begins when we realize what he did. And we embrace that. And now we don't have to focus on sin anymore, right? I mean, what good is focusing on your sin when you could focus yep. on our Savior and all that he's done and all he's going to do through you now that you know this information? Well, and secondly, you don't have to think about, on the, on the other hand, how, uh, how much, how righteous do you have to be if you're not going to focus on Christ's righteousness? Yeah. Whose righteousness you do know? you have then? You know, who's who, how righteous do you have? What are you going to do? What are you going to yeah. do in place of Christ's righteousness if you're not trusting in Christ's righteousness and you're trusting in your own? Oh, I can do enough. Well, how much are you going to do? Well, what did how did uh, Adam and Eve feel after they ate the 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 tree, the fruit from the tree, the knowledge of good and evil? Suddenly right. they felt naked and ashamed. Exactly. So when you're focused on your sin, you're feeling probably naked and ashamed if you're really taking a close look at yourself. And really keeping good short accounts. And does God want you to feel that way is the question. Because God tells you something very different. He tells you who you are as a new creation in Scripture. Right. So let's take a look at some more passages. And you mentioned Hebrews. You know, let's get into some Hebrews and try to clarify the topic a little bit more. We'll look at Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 8. Uh, it says, when he says above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor did you take delight in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he says, here I am, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first to establish the second. 
By, by his will, we have been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands day after day serving and offering the same sacrifices again and again, again and again and again and again, sacrifices that can never take away sins. But then this priest had offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. When he did, he sat down at the right hand of God where he is now waiting until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are made holy. And the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will establish with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and I will inscribe them on their minds. Then he says their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no longer. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. That is a that is a passage of passages, isn't it? Yep. So, have we been made holy? According to the author of Hebrews, have we been made holy? Absolutely. How have we been made holy? According to the author of Hebrews. Through his sacrifice. Through Christ's his sacrifice. sacrifice. And how many times... Did Jesus offer himself? Uh, once is all I know. Once and for all. And how many times would you need to ask for forgiveness if that was the requirement? <laughs> uh, over and over again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so how much did his sacrifice cover? Some or all? All. Oh, all. that just sounds too easy, Lee. How That's often did the priests offer sacrifices? Did they... It, it, how often did the priests have to offer them, and did they take away sin? Uh, year after year. Over and over, over and year over after again. year. And did they take away sin? No, they just covered no. it. Is it. They Is covered it. it. It covered it. For temporarily. temporarily covered. And then it started all over again, right? You know, you clean one. your slate, then it starts all over again. I mean, right. it was just a constant reminder. <laughs> starts adding up every day. According to 1012, yeah, it was adding up for them. And and for us, he's saying uh, that he'll remember them no longer. So it go. sounds like they're not adding up anymore. They're not even uh, being added. How far into the past and future did Jesus Christ's sacrifice go, according to this passage? Uh, all the way back and all the way forward. <laughs> it stretches out both directions, right? Mm -hmm. As far as yep. the east is from the west, according to one of the prophets in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Chapter 11, uh, we'll, we'll answer that one. How many of your sins were in the future when this happened? So, Lee, when you came to Christ, how many of your sins were in the future? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> exactly. All of them. All of them. Every single one. So, are your future sins already covered? Uh, actually, it's better than covered. It's taken away. Exactly. Good. Good. Good point. What would make someone want to tell you differently, Lee? <laughs> oh, give me the short answer. <laughs> we don't even have to answer that one. Unbelief. You know, Unbelief. You, yeah, just think about it. Who would? Why would somebody tell you any differently? I don't know why. There could be several motivations. Right. But you, you hear it all the time, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. In verse uh, chapter 10, four, verse 14, how long have those uh, God has... Uh, made holy, been perfected for, perfected. Oh, forever. Forever. You know, I mean, he couldn't be more clear in yeah. ex explaining this, you know, the, this author of Hebrews. Who has yeah. been made holy by God? Right. The Christians. All those who, those those who, who believe. believe. Yep. So how much more perfect can the everybody in the audience who's listening to this, who's on our study, just think about this. How much more perfect can you be in God's view than that? When you read Hebrews chapter 10, how much more perfect can you be and how much more clear could God be in, in telling us this spiritual uh, teaching? <laughs> right. There is a bell. No more. No more. So Hebrews 10, verse 17, carrying on even further, it reads, then he says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no longer. Now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Is God still keeping track of your sins? 
Uh, the answer is no. Are you keeping track? And this is this is for the people listening, because I know everybody in our group isn't. But are you keeping track of your sins for him? <laughs> <laughs> is Christ going to offer himself again? And would no. you want him to think about this? Uh, no, no, we don't want to put him back up at the cross. That was that was a once and for all thing. He did it once as a gift. Why would you want him to do that again? That's to, that's embraced the life we have in him. And so then we go on to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Here's, here's a classic passage. For if we deliberately keep on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, no further sacrifice for sins is left for us, but only a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume God's enemies. Someone who rejected the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, how much greater punishment do you think that person deserves who has contempt for the Son of God and profanes the blood of the covenant that made him holy and insults the Spirit of grace? For we know that one who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So who is there no further sacrifice left for? Uh, for uh, those who uh, fall away. Yeah, for those who reject the Son of the they Son of Man, the right? Do you reject Him? There's not another sacrifice for you. They were they were obviously insinuating that you you know you go back to the the law and go back to sacrificing at the altar. Those aren't going to work anymore. That's been fulfilled, right? There's no more sacrifices. <laughs> it's, what about Orthodox Judaism? <laughs> it's a mess. They lost <laughs> their temple. They lost, I mean, God did, God did away with that to establish the second. <laughs> the first, you know, it's over. Why do they still do it then? Why do they still? Spiritual unawareness, you know? I mean, we have to be made alive, right? They got yeah. to be raised from the dead just like we did. So how would we deliberately keep on sinning, according to what we read in 1 John? Uh, so this passage away. says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after receiving the knowledge of truth, no further sacrifice is left. But uh, John writes very similarly about how, you know, how we could deliberately keep on sinning. And there's only, there's only one reason that we would. Not being born again. Yeah, it's unbelief. Yeah. It's unbelief. So he's talking about unbelief. How could you keep on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth? Would it be by not believing it? <laughs> yeah. You know, right. they gave it to you. You received it. You didn't believe it. <laughs> is asking forgiveness to God a sign of faith in Christ or is it revealing a lack of faith? Lack of faith. I agree. So there's a big lack of faith being displayed and the, the environment of today's doctrines and today's buildings, um, you know, there's a there's a big lack of faith being displayed out there by by many of uh, many of many people, sadly. And, uh, you know, that's that's why we're here, because we want to help <laughs> help God. You know, we don't he doesn't need our help, but we want to we want to be a part of raising the dead. We want to see people born again, come into life, you know, experiencing the abundant life in Christ. So. Um, should we change our paradigm and thank God for his mercy instead? Should we just be thinking differently and say, you know, stop this? You know, I remember, and I think you said the same thing, Lee. There was like this once and for all thing where you asked God, you, you asked for forgiveness for asking for forgiveness. And you said, God, forgive me for doing this. And you moved on and you never did it again. You know, you may have stumbled a couple of times, but your paradigm had changed. And when you did it, you realized, what am I doing? And you started right. thanking him instead, you know? Mm -hmm. So would you rather be fully cleansed by the blood of Jesus or being those who are referred in, in this passage, you know, that are falling into the hands of the living God? You know, I, I'd rather have his cleansing. I'd rather have yeah, his mercy. Same here. <laughs> yeah. Rather be free so are you that. ready to ask for forgiveness for asking for forgiveness and thank God for sending his son 
I know I was, and I, and I hope some people out there listening are ready to do the same. And yeah. we'd love to have you on board, you know, coming on a call, yep. coming on to a study. So mm-hmm. for now, let's, let's review what the Bible has taught us so far. There are passages in John's first epistle that are directed at Christians and passages that are dealing with a non-Christian audience. It's critical that we make that distinction. Otherwise, we're going to do damage to the intended message. First John 1.9 is an evangelistic message and that it teaches the audience how to repent and be born again to join their fellowship, a fellowship they did not share with them. The audience that they're writing to did not share it with them due to their view on sin and their self-righteousness. John refers to unbelievers as sinners and Christians as those who did not sin in many passages. He explains that unbelievers are not cleansed of their unrighteousness by Christ's sacrifice, while the regenerated Christians have been fully cleansed. The Christian gains righteousness through Christ and is now a holy creature, made perfect forever. The unbeliever remains an enemy to God because of sin. We need to realize that we are sinful in order to become a Christian. That's just evangelism. If somebody doesn't realize they're a sinner, what need do they have for a Savior? And that's what John was trying to teach. The Christian cannot lose fellowship with Jesus or be far away from him. The Spirit resides inside of us now. You have to take him with you, even when you sin. He's always there. He's right there with you all the time. The Christian cannot be in darkness. We're children of the light. There is no darkness in us at all. Maybe that is why sinning is not desirable. Everything is done in the light now. We can't bounce in and out of light and darkness, in, out, in, out. You know, where you, you're in one or the, you're in the other. Uh, we cannot be in darkness in the morning, work our way back into the light by lunchtime. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, God's turning his face back on us like, oh, you're good again because you, you asked me. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The, both covenants were established with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And Christ's blood was permanent. We cannot get more forgiven. You are in a permanent state of forgiveness. God is not going to zoom down from heaven and cleanse you more every time you ask for it. So here's a few passages just to, well, there's several passages, grace passages that we can go through to conclude the study if we wish to. Um, But, uh, you know, we go through a lot of those in different studies as well. So, I mean, we can go through some of these or, you know, if, if anybody has anything to say to add or you know, mention about this study, you know, we can, we can talk about that too. Nope, Lee's mic is back offline. <laughs> you got to push a button or something. There he is. There we go. <laughs> so here's some, here's some grace passages uh, that we can look at. Um, or, you know what, we could even, uh, we could even, uh, you know, pause this study for now because it went pretty well. You know, I think we did good on this topic and maybe we'll, we'll make this a shorter one since, uh, since we tend to run long on uh, mm-hmm. most of our studies. Let's, let's call it here, you know, and I, I hope everybody enjoyed this study and, you know, come back for another one. We, we hope to, to have you back. So thanks for listening at IbleTuddy.net, Bible study without the BS. Uh, the bologna sandwich. Bologna sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, have a good day out there.